0: and welcome to Primary Matters, an MPI podcast that delves into things that matter to our primary industries. I'm Carol Stiles, and I'll be taking a look at what's going on to keep our food and fibre industries thriving and safe. In this series, I'll be catching up with people who have crucial and often surprising jobs to protect animals, crops, our environment, and the economy. It's kind of a case of... You do what?
1: I'm Joseph O'Keefe, and I manage the most complex building in New Zealand.
0: You'll find that building in Wallaceville in Upper Hutt. It opened in 2021, but was 10 years in the planning. It's not huge, just 3,400 square metres, but each of those square metres cost on average $25,000, about eight times what it costs to build a commercial building.
1: There's a thousand different points around the building that are monitored every second just to check that all the air pressure and temperatures and electrical systems and water systems and everything are operating the way they're supposed to. And there's all sorts of precautions that you wouldn't see in a normal building
0: This is New Zealand's National Animal Health Lab, and it's here that scientists test for organisms that could decimate our animal industries or put public health at risk. The objective is to perform the tests safely, and crucially, to ensure that any unwanted disease or organism is contained, that it can't escape or find any nooks and crannies to hide.
1: For example, every surface in the laboratory, one of the standard tests is you put on a latex glove and you run your hand across that surface. If the glove tears, that's not satisfactory. So every surface has to be smooth and impervious and doesn't tear that glove, which is very high standard of construction.
0: The Animal Health Lab can test for 450 diseases. It runs tests on animals being imported and on some about to be exported. It also tests samples when people spot things that are out of the ordinary.
1: So we can get almost anything as a suspect case. People report suspect cases from around New Zealand. So someone might see a suspect case of foot and mouth or a suspect case of anthrax or... um, Uh, One of the common ones we see is um, a die off of birds and there we're concerned with uh, bird flu which could come in on migratory birds. Samples are collected and sent to us and then we have to do the testing and show that it either is there or isn't there and almost invariably it's not there.
0: How many samples would you receive here a day?
1: We might get um, yeah, two or three cases of suspect exotic disease on a daily basis. And we cover everything from fish, uh, farm animals, uh, cats, dogs, horses, bees, you name it, we do it.
0: They also test for diseases in zoo animals.
1: If you think about humans, we have lots of viruses and bacteria. We, we know all about those, right, because we've studied humans a lot. And in farm animals, we know quite a bit because we're used to working with farm animals, and so we know that they have their own families of viruses and bacteria, and some of those overlap with us, but a lot of them don't. But as soon as you start dealing with zoo animals, you're dealing with a species that maybe no one's actually found any viruses that this, this animal has, but they must have them, right? So it, it becomes quite an exploration to try and understand what's going on when you deal with zoo animals.
0: ESR, which identifies infectious diseases in humans, also shares the building.
1: Many of the diseases that affect animals affect people as well. You think of COVID, for example, that's an animal disease that's transferred to people. So we do work on COVID in animals and they do work on COVID in people. And uh, just about any serious disease of humans you can think of, like um, anthrax or bird flu, it comes from animals. So we work on the same pathogens and and there's a real synergy there with with ESR.
0: You can't have organisms hitchhiking their way out of the building. So everything that leaves the lab has to be sterilized or cleaned in some way. I mean, everything. Even the plumbing's not normal plumbing. It has non-return valves so that if anything risky enters the system, it has no way out. The air handling systems also prevent any airflow out of the building before it's filtered twice.
1: All the rooms in the laboratory operate at negative pressure. So, you know, outside we have a certain pressure and that might change as the wind blows around, and all the rooms inside have to be at lower pressure from what it is outside. And so as the wind hits the side of the building the pressure can go up and down do you know what the winds like in in Wellington it's you know it's a windy city right so the wind hits the side of the building the outside pressure goes way up and so the pressure inside the lab has to change accordingly so one of the things we did when we built this building is we built a corridor completely all the way around the laboratory on both floors that creates an air pressure buffer
0: so the lab is a box within a box
1: and that helps to maintain a stable air pressure inside this negative pressure building.
0: Wellington's also known for its earthquakes. Yeah. That must pose a big risk in a building like this.
1: It was a really important design criteria for the whole building. We are one and a half kilometres away from the main fault.
0: Which is why 20% of the cost of the building went into earthquake resilience to stop it cracking and organisms spilling out and to ensure that it can still be used after an earthquake.
1: I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, a tall, tall building in, a, in an earthquake, and it, and it wobbles back and forth. We can't have that happen in this building, and we can't have that happening because if we get cracks in our walls, we lose the air tightness, we lose the air pressure differences. So the building has to be rigid. So you have this really rigid box sitting on top of what is effectively blocks of rubber which insulate it from the moving ground and so it'll sort of glide back and forth a bit like a ship at sea but it won't bend and crack.
0: Its base isolators allow the building to move up to 900 millimetres in any direction. To cope with an earthquake pipes in the building hang instead of being fixed.
1: It's designed to be undamaged after a one in 500 year earthquake and to be Repairable after a one in 2,500 year earthquake. Down here, you just need to watch out for low things as you can bang your head easily down here.
0: There are containment labs similar to this one dotted around the globe. They all vary a bit because of the diseases they're dealing with and because of their own peculiar environmental factors. While the Wellington Lab has to contend with high winds and earthquakes, one in Kansas has been designed with tornadoes in mind.
1: One of their criteria was they had to build the lab in such a way that if a tornado went across the top of it, it wouldn't suck the cows out of the air handling system. In that lab they actually have live animals, we don't have live animals here, but another another criteria was they had to have it built in such a way that a telephone pole moving at a specific velocity would not penetrate the wall of the laboratory.
0: Anything material that needs to leave the lab, like waste or clothing, will be put in an autoclave, which is like a pressure cooker. And of course
1: we have liquid that comes out as well. So. People use hand basins when they wash their hands, they have laboratory sinks. The staff have to have showers when they leave and there's toilets inside and so all of that liquid effluent we treat as if it's contaminated. We don't wait for an accident to happen, we just treat everything all the time.
0: Not everything though can withstand steam or pressure.
1: And so we have this special room which has what are effectively submarine doors on it And it's completely airtight and we can put things in there and then we just fill it up with fumigation gas
0: so we're looking at pliers tools
1: yeah because of course like any building we have servicemen who have to come in and do work and what we say to them is yes you can bring your tools but we will take them away from you and sterilize them and then you'll get them back we have bioscanners to get onto this level. Which is fingerprint. Fingerprint scanners, yes. We, we did look at the whole, you know, iris scanners and all that sort of stuff, but that's a bit science fiction and, and, and this actually works fine.
0: 60 people work across labs at Wallaceville. They have expertise in pathology, virology, bacteriology, immunology, and molecular biology.
1: Okay, so now we're now on the level where we deal with the exotic diseases the ones that are risk to people and to our animals industries and our our, valued species. If we had a suspect case of, say, equine influenza or anthrax or bird flu, those samples would come here and go into this laboratory.
0: Foot and mouth?
1: Yes, yes. Um, We've built it so that if we got foot and mouth in New Zealand, we would be able to safely work with it in this lab.
0: Getting ready for work in the ultra-secure PC3 lab, or Physical Containment 3 lab, is quite a to-do. You just can't rush in late. Each person starts by going through a colour-coded door.
1: So what you can see there is what we call a shower airlock. So they'll walk into the first space. They remove all their clothing. If they have jewellery on, they have to remove that. If they have glasses, they have to remove that. They're not allowed to take anything into the lab with them. Hearing aid? They have to remove a hearing aid. The whole works. So you're basically standing there naked. And then you walk through the shower to the other side and you put on your inside clothes. If you had prescription glasses, we would provide you with an inside pair of prescription glasses. If you had a hearing aid, we provide an inside hearing aid and then you go into the lab you do your day's work and then you come back to the same to the same shower
0: same blue door
1: same blue door so you know you've got to make sure you come through the right door where you've left your clothes right you go into the shower you have a full shower and then you come back to this side you open your locker again put your street clothes on and what that does is it means that if by accident let's say something happened and you didn't notice and you got some contamination on your clothes your clothes are all inside the lab they never come out and if you've got something on your skin you wash it off in the shower
0: what about your hair
1: you have to wash your hair as well every day yeah that's the process you don't go in if you can't
0: do it so if you had dreadlocks you probably couldn't work here yeah you
1: probably couldn't work here yeah but if you look through there you can see a tea room so when people go in and out, it's quite a process, right? And so you don't want to have to come out to have your lunch. When the staff need to get their lunch in there, they put it through one of these boxes here. This is a, like a mini airlock. So they'll open the outer door, put their lunch in, close the door, go through the showers, come round to the other side where the tea room is, and then open the door on the inside and take their lunch out and then put it in the fridge. But they can't use a lunchbox, because if they have a lunchbox, we have to sterilize that before it can come out. You don't want to forget your lunch, because it's such a rigmarole to come out and, and you know, have a shower, it, you know, it takes 20 minutes or so in each direction. One time, uh, I went to a training course at the Australian Animal Health Laboratory, and they have a very similar system. And we had to go from room to room to room to room where they were working on different diseases, and every room had a shower. And we ended up having 10 showers in one day. Um, And there's this old story about um, how they used to, when they had visitors there, they used to, for these training courses, book them into this one motel. And uh, one day the, the owner of the motel rang up the lab and said, you know, I don't know what sort of people you have, that come to your courses, but none of them ever have a shower.
0: (laughs) Joseph O'Keefe, manager of the most complex building in New Zealand. He says it's really, really important that people report anything unusual in animals. They'd much rather have a report of something they already know about than miss a potentially devastating disease. I'm Carol Stiles, and you've been listening to You Do What? a series in MPI's Primary Matters podcast. Thanks for joining me. Kia pai tera.